Hey folks, this is Kevin. On this week's episode of Risk, you'll hear Yamanika Saunders. Oh my God, I love all the white guys that were up here <laughs> telling their stories of white privilege like it's a fantasy. But not today, folks. Today, no white guy stories, but two women of color telling stories about pee, chili cheese fries, and other stuff. But before all that, I just want to say a huge thank you to Ted McTaggart, Laura Zier, Jeremy Wallace, and Jillian Mew, all of whom are now supporting us at patreon.com risk at the $25 or more level. And you, you person into whose ears my voice is currently resonating, please join them. Over at Patreon, there's bonus stories, ad-free episodes, conversations with storytellers and staff, but most importantly, you are really and truly ensuring that there will be another great episode of Risk next week, and the week after that, 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 and the week after that. We'll be right back. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Folks, if you like good old-fashioned true crime mysteries, if you like stories where you feel like you're a detective finding clues, June's Journey is the name of this new game that you can play on your iPhone or your Android. You are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder. It's this well-to-do family in the 1920s living in a great Gatsby-like mansion. 
each scene uncovers new aspects of the story. Some parts are in New York, some parts are in Paris. There's all kinds of objects you're finding and trying to assess whether they're meaningful or not. You collect information, filling out your own photo album, and you're keeping track of all the characters. There's romance, there's scandalous family secrets. It feels like a really fun play or movie. And I've only made it through like five scenes, but I am told you could crack the case. All you need is an internet connection and downloading on iOS or Android. So discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Now here's the show. Kids, this is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison. This is Cab Calloway, 90 years ago, behind me now. Cab Calloway is on my list of hot people that no one acknowledges are hot. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> 1928 Cab Calloway. But The kind of hotness this song is about is something altogether different. This song is called Hot Water, which is also the name of this week's episode. It's a little bit of a stretch. One of the stories is about someone being in, you know, hot water metaphorically, and one is about someone peeing, which is, you know, technically warm water, right? If you're healthy. And mammalian... Anyway, hey, did you guys see the last edition of the Risk newsletter? In it, I talked about all sorts of amazing things that are happening behind the scenes. Well, there's my reunion show with The State, my sketch comedy group that's coming up in Denver on August 30th. You can find tickets at the-state.com. I also talked about the new series of live interactive shows we're creating called Risk Presents... What's your story? We're going to start doing those in New York very soon, then hopefully in your town very soon after. So don't miss out on all the next crazy news that Risk is up to, or that I'll be up to. And sign up for our newsletter. There's a spot to do that right at the top of the page at risk-show.com. Now, later on, we're going to hear from comedian Yamanika Saunders. She told a thrilling, a, a scary, 
and also kind of hilarious story when she did the Risk Show in San Francisco last January. But first, we have a story from Jimena Ospina, who told this story not at a Risk Show, but at our friend Lisa Cantrell's show, Capital Storytelling, out in Sacramento. I'll tell you more about that later. But for now, let's hear from Jimena with the story she calls Marking Your New Territory. So I loved Disney movies, uh, especially La Sirenita. And if you don't know what that is, it's in Spanish and it's The Little Mermaid. And so here I am, seven years old. I am decked out in Little Mermaid, especially Ariel, who's the main character. Head to toe, Little Mermaid's everywhere. I would go swimming in my uncle's pool with my cousins who are around the same age, we're around seven. And uh, we would pretend, but I'm not saying we pretended, we really believed we were mermaids. Um, And this is in Colombia, I don't know if I mentioned that, but this is in Colombia, South America. And so when my parents had mentioned to me that we were going to California, the only thing I could think about and associate that with was Disneyland. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to Disneyland. I'm gonna be on this warm, sunny beach with Mickey and Minnie. Minnie's gonna be wearing this hot pink polka dot bikini. Ariel and her sisters are gonna be waving at me in the ocean, welcoming me to my new vacation. And so I was really excited for this trip. And shortly after about a month span, My parents ended up selling their home and packing their whole life in about four suitcases. So that's when I realized that we weren't just going to California, we were fleeing Colombia. And so we moved, so we resettled in the United States in this town called Marina, California. And I don't know if you're aware, it's around Monterey area, what that's like, but I call it foggy ass California. There's really barely any sun. And so, yes, I go to the beach, and I'm bundled up, not what I thought. Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse are not there. Uh, Ariel and all her sisters, because she had a lot of sisters, actually went to the Caribbean instead. Uh, They said no thank you to the Pacific. And so, here I am in my new home. Um, And when you are, you know, fleeing a country, you don't have much time to prepare. So my language and English was limited. I knew how to count to 10, and three was free, because the THR is really ridiculous for English learners, for most of us. Um, And I did have a survival phrase, and that was, may I please have some orange juice? So I was set up for success. No. Uh, So here we are (laughs) in our new home. I'm in first grade. And I know that I have to, you know, strategize. And my mother is, you know, like any loving parent, this is also very new weather, right? So we're coming from this weather of 80, 90 degrees, it's humid, tropical, and we're being introduced to 40 degree weather. And so my mom did not want us to get sick. And so she, you know, really wanted us to be safe and warm. But to add to this, In Colombia, we have this personified fear called El Sereno. And El Sereno, how they tell the story, is that if you inhale cold air and you're not bundled up, 
this mystical, awful thing will pierce inside your body and then you will automatically become sick. Don't worry, it's actually a manipulation tool. Um, that parents use on their kids, so they listen to them put on their jackets. And so you'll hear parents go, El Sereno! And kids are like, ah, my jacket! And so, right, they're running around, putting on scarves, and so it works. But I think my mom believes a little bit in El Sereno. Because we moved to this weather, and we were layered up. And by layered up, and by we, my little sister was part of this too, um, it was layered. So I had leggings, I wore first tights, leggings, jeans for the under part. The top part was an undershirt, and then we would have the long sleeve turtleneck with the button up. You should not wear that to children. It's really hard to take off the button one in the crotch area. I'm actually wearing one today, kind of hard. Then it was the sweater, and then a windbreaker jacket with like something poofy, right? And so here I am, first grade, um, just look like a marshmallow. And just like my mom, I wanted to be preventative and be really strategic about, you know, coming to a new place. And so at this point, again, English was very different and I did not have any idea how to do this, but it also sounded so strange. Hello, how are you sounded, hello, how are you? It sounded like people were underwater. So all I heard was whoa, whoa, whoa. So I was really screwed in the classroom. And so I quickly strategized and I made friends with a girl named Nora. And she was Mexican-American, so she spoke Spanish and English, which was terrific. And so I did not have to try for the first month that I was there because she translated everything. And we played this game, but it's also part of survival, where during recess time, she would remind me, hey, Jimena, the bell has ring for recess. Go to the restroom and unbuckle all that stuff so you can go pee and take care of business. And so it would you know, ring, and I would go and do my bathroom marathon and take off all my layers and all that. So it was good. And so this particular day, but before I jumped to this day, so because I was that foreign kid, a lot of things were adapted differently in the classroom, especially storytelling or story time, right? And so that's when the teacher sits around and all the kids, you know, sit around him and he's on a chair with a book and he reads. Since I couldn't understand, I could sit back in my chair and just draw. And at this point in time, um, my obsession of Ariel had transformed to something different. I love drawing people in the nude. Um, and so I would just sit there, right, drawing my naked people. And in hindsight, I think to myself, I must have been so strange to these like students, right? It's these foreign kid who's like just wearing so many clothes. I don't know why, where does she come from? Just counting to 10, requesting for orange juice, and then just sitting there drawing naked people by herself. So. I'm sure I was the topic of discussion, um, but I didn't understand, so it doesn't matter. And so there I am sitting on this particular day, but this particular day, Nora, my friend slash translator, um, is not there. So she's sick, um, probably Sereno got her. Um, she did not wear all those layers. And so I'm sitting there, it's story time, and I'm thinking to myself, oh man, that bell, that thing we do about the bathroom marathon, I didn't do that. And so I'm sitting there and I realize I have to go pee so bad, so bad. And it's to the point where you just feel your bladder like, da -da. it's like your heartbeat, like, da -da, da -da, da -da. and you know, it's story time. I don't want to interrupt and I don't even know how to interrupt. I don't know how to compose this verbiage of like, eh, excuse me, may I please have some orange juice, but bathroom. <laughs> so 
I'm just sitting there trying to really think of something. But I think, oh, thank baby Jesus that my mother layers me up. If I start peeing, it will just absorb. And so, you know, these are the chairs in elementary school. They're a plastic with a little divot on your butt. So, yeah, I'm nice and wiggling in there. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start releasing. So I start releasing a little bit. I'm like, ah, that's working. But I have to go a little bit more. And it just starts filling up the chair. And I'm looking back and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is going to start overflowing. All the students are gonna hear that like over the chair of this waterfall of pee. And so I'm like, no, 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 I have to strategize. And so I'm like, okay, I'm the weird kid. I can do random things when other kids can't. And so I'm like, great, I'm just gonna start dispersing my pee. And so I get up and I run across the room where we have a library nook. And so I pick up a book and I pretend to read because again, I can't read, it's English. And so I squat down and just pee a little bit. But more has to happen. So then I run to the other side and it's at the activity center. And so I'm grabbing these like counting blocks and I'm just like one, two, three, four, three, four, four, and being a little bit more. And I proceed to do this throughout the whole classroom <laughs> until my bladder is so satisfied and I'm like, we're good. And to my knowledge, I don't think my teacher, he was very discreet. I don't remember students being aware of what I had just done. Um, but he did call my father. And so I go to the front of the school and I see my dad's car pull around. And I'm wet, I'm cold, I'm just really ashamed of what I've done. And you know, my head's down, I'm just dragging my feet into the car and I get in and my dad looks at me and goes, Jimena, what happened? And I look at him and I said, well, kind of marked my territory everywhere in the classroom. And with the kindest and softest eyes, because he knows that I'm going through a lot. Um, in Spanish, he says, Jimena, si no aprendes el inglés, te vas a hacer pipí el resto de la vida. And what that means is, Jimena, if you don't learn how to speak English, you're going to pee yourself for the rest of your life. <laughs> and so, good news, I speak English. Uh, I haven't peed myself since first grade in my pants. I did go to Disneyland, it wasn't that great. Um, I have met Ariel and mermaids here at the dive bar in Sacramento, you guys should all go. They're my friends, they don't know it, but they're my friends. But most importantly, I survived the first grade. <laughs> like to pee as you can see I pee over here, I pee over there I mark my spots so I pee a lot Sometimes I beg and pee on your leg Yes, I like to pee a wee 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 Yes, I like to pee on a tree tree tree
This is Risk, and behind me again is Hot Water, but this time the band is called Hot Water, and the song is Wamkele Kile. Hey, Dallas Conti, Sunil Nair, and Carlisle, it is thanks to people like you who are supporting Risk on Patreon that Risk is still running and bringing the best and the boldest storytelling you'll find anywhere. It is so sweet. The things that people write into us when they donate, a risk fan named Julia wrote, don't have a lot of money to give, but I truly love and appreciate the show. And if every listener gave just a little bit, it could make a huge difference. And Zach said, please know we're all rooting for you. And the work you do is so very important and impactful. And a new Risk listener named Mary wrote, I think the most impactful way to extend one's human circle of concern is through listening to the stories of others. I heard the People Change episode, and any way I can support, I will. If you haven't heard the People Change episode, that's the one where my better half in running Risk, our business director, J.C. Cassis, came on to explain why we need to raise funds to get us through to the end of this year when we know we already have very clear signs that we will have income streams back to a more stable place at the end of the year. So thanks again, everyone. You can help keep Risk running at patreon.com risk, or if you want to make a one-time donation, that's at paypal.me slash risk show, or for other options, just email me at kevin at risk-show.com. Let's get to Yamanika Saunders. I have been looking forward to running this one. I had never met Yamanika before she did the Risk Show in San Francisco last January, and she blew us all away with this one. It's a story we call A White Guy with Chili Cheese Fries. Oh my God, I love all the white guys that were up here. <laughs> telling their stories of white privilege like it's a fantasy. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. You saved me. So I was 19 and I was doing stand up in Los Angeles. Really excited about it. <laughs> so I started when I was 16 in high school. And my mom used to take me to do stand-up because we're in a trauma bond. So when I was 19, I would go with her to the comedy store and I would wait on the line and pick a number, hoping that I would get a number to perform the following Sunday. One Sunday, my mother was like, I'm not gonna be there, you're gonna have to take yourself to the comedy store, which I was thrilled about because that meant she was gonna be out of my hair and I could be wild. 
I was a bit of a nerd as a child. My favorite thing to do was tell everyone that I knew Commedio dell'arte. <laughs> so I was 19, still kind of like a 15-year-old because my growth had been retarded by my mom who kept babying me. And she was like, you're gonna be in the big city by yourself and I'm gonna be away for the weekend. And so I'm giving you $20 to take yourself to the comedy store, go stand in line, make sure you take this $20 and you park in a parking garage and don't park on Sunset and pocket this 20 bucks because it used to be free to park on Sundays <laughs> on Sunset. So obviously I pocketed the money. <laughs> And I parked on Sunset and I had 20 extra dollars to hustle around. And I went to go put my name on the list to see if I could get a number to perform the following Sunday at the comedy store. Now I had done that many times. I had picked a number because I'm one of God's favorite children. <laughs> I would always get a number. And then this particular Sunday, there was a white guy, ooh ooh. <laughs> who was sort of talking to himself off in the corner. He was very shaken and disturbed and having a meltdown. And because I am someone who loves people that I can trauma bond with and also have narcissistic personality disorder, I was drawn to him like a lightning bug. And I asked him what his problem was. He was weird and he was white. But he was interesting to me. He had on a shirt with the alligator. He looked like a Best Buy nerd, but I didn't know about Best Buy then. And he was saying that he was upset because he's come to this open mic constantly and he's never gotten a number. And if he doesn't get a number this week, he's gonna give up his dreams of doing comedy. And so I said, well, you shouldn't give up your dreams of doing comedy. So if I pick a number, which I, knew I probably would, because I had the touch. I'll give my number to you, and that way you can perform next week doing comedy. And he was like, sure, are you sure? I was like, <laughs> he said, are you sure? Like Lassie was gonna come around the corner. <laughs> He's like, are you sure? You know, and I was like, yeah, you can have my number. It'll be fine. So he goes and he picks a number and he gets a blank ticket. So that means he's not gonna perform next Sunday. And I go about three after him and I pick a number and I ask the guy if I can give my number to my new white friend who's a weirdo. <laughs> and he said yes. And so I told him he could have my number. It was like number seven or eight. And so that's his placement to go on next Sunday. And I said, God has blessed you, right? This was before I started having sex and I was a virgin, so everything was God, God, God. <laughs> and he said, thank you. And he said, I'd like to take you to dinner to thank you for giving me your number. And I said, oh, that's very sweet. You know, I'm a big girl, I like to eat. <laughs> and I was like, when are we gonna have dinner? <laughs> and he was like, we can have it today. He says, you know, I'll take you out to dinner and we'll have some fun. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I was like, I don't wanna move my car because I'm parked on Sunset and it's free and I got this 20 bucks from my mom and I'm gonna sneak and buy some BDs later to smoke. And he was like, hey. <laughs> 
And he was like, you don't have to do that. He was like, I'm also parked on Sunset and I can move my car and I can take you to get something to eat and then I'll drop you back off. And I thought it was fine. I mean, he was a white guy <laughs> and I was a big black girl. So what could he do to me? So we got in his car and I remember before we took off, he said, do you want to smoke something? And I was like, well, I only smoke cigarettes, but I don't tell my mom. <laughs> and he was like, well, I have cigarettes. He's like, but I have to roll them. And I was like, okay, because I'd seen people roll cigarettes before. So I was like, fine, you can roll a cigarette. And I kind of sat out this way. His car was facing this way. And I kind of sat out just like, you know, vibing with the music and having a good time waiting for him to give me a cigarette. So he smokes a little bit of the cigarette and then he gets it to me and I just start puffing away, trying to be like super mature, you know, because I never had these chances to have that experience. I grew up very, very sheltered and very Christian. So I'm smoking, I'm smoking. And then after about seven or eight pulls, I realize I'm not feeling right. I start to feel as if I want to go to sleep. And I ask him, is this a cigarette that you gave me? And he said, well, it has a little something extra in it. And I said, oh, I've never had anything extra. I'm starting to feel very tired with this thing that you gave me. And he said, well, it's okay. He says, I smoke some too and I'll take care of you. At this point, I'm trying to get out of the car, but I'm finding it very, very difficult. So he comes out on his side and he goes around and he grabs me by the hand to pull me up. And he says, I wanna show you something. And I was like, okay, what do you wanna show me? He's like, let's look at my trunk. He goes behind to the back of his car and he opens his trunk and he has chains and he has a hammer and he has a saw and he looks me in the eye and he says, we're gonna have fun with these things. And I got a chill in my body because I thought to myself, my God, this guy is going to murder me and it's all because I smoked something that I didn't know what it was. And at this point, I could not regain control of myself and I started to go deeper and deeper into rolling in and out of consciousness. And all I knew to tell him, because he was insistent that I get in his car to now go have dinner, is that I was very, very hungry. Which is, I mean, nobody's gonna laugh here at this point because you're all terrified, but <laughs> being a fat bitch saved me. <laughs> because he believed that I was hungry. And right on Sunset, there is a restaurant that sort of looks like a uh, train car, and it's called Carney's. And I would go in there, and I would have chili cheese fries every Sunday. So I said, oh, my God, I'm so hungry. If you could just, you know, we'll go have all the fun you want, and we'll do everything. I said, but I'm no fun if I don't eat. And he believed me, and he said, okay. And I said, well, we can just go right here to Carney's, and I can get some chili cheese fries, and then we'll go, and we'll have a great time. And so he agrees, thank God. And we go up into Carney's, we walk up the steps, and as we're in the line, I'm still kind of like rolling in and out of consciousness. And the guys there all know me because I always order chili cheese fries. 
But they see me with this white nerd and they think I'm about to get lucky because they're all like, hey, yeah. And I'm trying to show them with my eyes that I ain't fucking with this dude. But none of them realize that except for a little white boy in front of me who is talking to his father and he says, daddy, this lady, she looks like she's not okay. And I had never been so happy to see a little white boy <laughs> in my life. And I went to reach for him because he understood and his father said, don't talk to her, turn around. And I thought that was my last opportunity to get away from this nutcase who was buying me chili cheese fries. Then I remembered that there was a bathroom and Carney's. And the good thing about this bathroom is that while you're inside, it looks like it's also inside, but it's actually not. You have to walk outside and go downstairs and then go up to get into the bathroom. So I told him, I said, listen, I have to go to the bathroom. You got the chili cheese fries. And he's kind of nervous that I'm trying to leave him and that I'm aware of what's happening, even though I'm trying to pretend that I have no clue what's going on. And he says, well, I'll go with you. And I said, no, you don't have to go with me. I can go by myself. I said, it's right there. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'll be fine. So he lets me go and I go towards the door and I walk out and I go downstairs and I'm trying to run as fast as I can, but it's very difficult because this whatever he gave me is holding me down. And I'm in and out of the street on sunset and there was another white man <sighs> who walks towards me and he reaches for me and I'm like, oh my God, I can't deal with another white guy right now. And so he says, are you okay? You're walking in the street. I said, no, I'm fine. I said, please just don't touch me. I have to leave. And he said, no, I, I can help you. You seem like you're out of it. I said, no, please, there's already a white man trying to kill me today. And he said, there is? And he's looking because he thinks I'm hallucinating a white guy who's trying to murder me. And I said, yes, I have to get, I have to go up. There is a place, there's a place I have to get to. Now, I was trying to travel up to where all the comedians hung out after they did the lottery, because it's about 20 or 30 of them that hang out having a good time. And I just wanted to be somewhere where people would know me and could help me. And so I told this man, I said, if you could just please help me walk to where there's gonna be comedians. I am a comedian. And he does, he walks me to this place where all the comedians are hanging out and he asked them if they know me and a few of them had recognized me and they said yes. And he says, well, she's been wandering in the street and I'm nodding and I'm all kind of drowsy. And one of my, who becomes one of my friends later on, Zorba, sees me. Now Zorba is a big black guy and he's like really friendly and I never really had a conversation with him but we'd always say hello or hi or something like that. He says, well, I can help her just leave her with us, we'll take care of her. And so I'm sitting there and I'm nervous and I'm shaking because I wanna get away. And I keep telling Zorba, I said, I have to go. I just, if you could take me and get me away from here, I can't stay here, somebody's coming. And so all of the other comics are laughing because I just like a young girl who did drugs for the first time and has no idea what I'm doing with myself. So they're like, oh, she's just high, just leave her alone, give her some water, she'll be fine. And I go, no, there's gonna be a white guy with chili cheese fries trying to kill me. <laughs> And I kept repeating that, no, there is a white guy with chili cheese fries who's trying to kill me. And they're looking at me and they're laughing. 
And Zorba pulls me to the side and he says, listen, what is going on? I said, I smoked something and I promise you that there is a white man coming down here and he's gonna have chili cheese fries and he's gonna try to kill me and I, I don't wanna go with him. And he says, you don't have to worry. There's no white guy with chili cheese fries and I'm gonna stay with you until you come down from whatever high you're on. And so we sit there, and we sit there, and I'm shaking, and I'm nervous, and I'm looking around, and I'm just praying that he doesn't come up. And sure enough, five minutes later, here comes this white guy. And I'm excited, because they think I'm a liar. <laughs> but I'm scared, because I think he's going to convince them to take me with him. And so as he walks up and he has the fries in his hands, but they're covered up in foil, he goes, come with me, come on, I have your stuff. And Zorba says, hey, he goes, you're a white guy. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, yes, he is. And he goes, what's in that in your hand? And he was like, motherfucker, it better not be chili cheese fries. <laughs> And sure enough, he opened it, and it was chili cheese fries. And Zorba said, if you don't get the fuck out of here, I'm gonna beat your ass. And then all the other comedians were like, oh my God, we're so sorry. There was a white guy with chili cheese fries trying to kill you. So I was high for like six hours and Zorba stayed with me every step of the way, making sure that I was okay. And he never took advantage of me. He was very sweet. I got to hang with him yesterday. He is a good friend who has saved my life. And... So the following week, we're at the comedy store and everyone is pretty sure that this guy is not gonna show up, but he does. He shows up and when it's time for him to go perform on stage, he has a ukulele. And for three minutes, this fool plays the ukulele on stage. And I was like, I was about to get killed by a white nigga playing a ukulele. <laughs> And as he got off stage, I went to walk towards him and I remember all the comics were trying to hold me back and he said, no, just leave him alone. And I said, no, this guy terrorized me and I wanna confront him. And so I walked up to him and I looked him in his eye and I said, I don't know what the fuck you thought you were doing last week, but what you did made me super nervous and I wanna know how many girls have you killed? And he looked me in the eye and he said, you'll never know. So as I stand before you today at the age of 44, I say thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. Thank you.
This is Risk. And behind me one last time is Hot Water. This time by 80s band Level 42, who I don't remember. I really don't think I've ever heard them in these past 40 years. And that, of course, followed Yamanika Saunders, who you can find on Instagram at Yamanika. And all of the stories and the music in this episode was edited by our own John LaSala. And before all that was that adorable story by Jimena Ospira, which was told at a Capital Storytelling show a few years ago. Lisa Cantrell, who's been phenomenal on Risk before, is the director of Capital Storytelling in Sacramento. And she was happy to allow us to feature some of the stories she's recorded out there for the Capital Storytelling podcast. You should definitely check out that podcast as well, you'll hear even more of great stories just like Jimena's where that came from. But I'll tell you one place you can't hear the Capital Storytelling Podcast or the Risk Podcast. It's Stitcher. The Stitcher app is going the way of the dodo, okay? So if that's where you've been subscribing to Risk, it is time to switch you could try Apple Podcasts or Spotify or our new favorite, Odyssey. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y or just about anywhere else you find podcasts. And of course, you can always listen at the source, our website, risk-show.com. And you know what else could be coming down the pike? A story from you. Yes, you, dear listener. You've been listening to Risk for years and you keep thinking... Man, I wonder if I could tell my story about that time I had a crush on a hippopotamus or about my struggle with my addiction to grinder or about that time I fell off of Mount Rushmore or the day I converted to the Church of Satan or more serious stories, of course. Well, you know what? You could. Very easily. You just go to risk-show.com slash submissions and you'll get all the guidance you need to make it happen. You really could be on risk. We'll be right back. We're back. Well, folks, that'll just about do it for hot water, but not until I mention how Derek Stugelmeyer, Aaron Phelps, and Patrick Sheehan have also started supporting Risk at the $25 or more level over at Patreon. And we at Risk, and I do mean we, because there is a whole team of us here working so hard to bring you this show every week and working for very little pay. And we are just so blown away and grateful to how people are starting to really support us in a bigger way this summer. Your love and your generosity is truly an inspiration to the whole team. You really are helping to keep Risk running. But folks, you don't have to wait until next week to get more risk because on Thursday we're rerunning one of the all-time classic creepy risk stories. I remember finding a magazine and it was what kind of person would be the best male. At that time, I 
had a lot of bullies, so I really believed that some people would be better meals than human beings. So when I should have run away screaming, part of me was fascinated, part of me was laughing at it, and part of me was confused. Yes, we're going to revisit Moloch Masters in the Shadows with additional commentary from Moloch herself. A little retrospective look back at the experience of having shared that. But that is on Thursday. And for now, folks, today's the day. Take a risk. Just passing 